my Govanin. Welcome to the Tolkien Lore Channel. I'm the Tolkien Geek. And not too long ago, the Girl Next Gondor Channel released a video on Boromir and what would have been different if Faramir had been in Rivendell instead of Boromir. And in talking about this, she referenced a lot of different quotes, which go to this issue of who who decided that Boromir would be the one to go. And this is a topic that I've thought about a lot because the way that these different quotes play with each other seem contradictory, and it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of ways you can really square them. I think there are some ways you can square them, and I'll get to that. But it's really interesting, and I thought, you know, I'm finally going to do a video on this, because what this tells us is either something very kind of nuanced and not very interesting, or something very interesting, and it depends on which interpretation you take. So let's take a look at the quotations and figure out what we think the meaning of these different quotations is and how that affects the way we view the story. So the first line that we have to contend with is the one that Boromir gives at the Council of Elrond. And in the context of kind of explaining why he's there, he talks about Faramir having this dream, which then Boromir had, and he gets into this line where he says... Therefore my brother, seeing how desperate was our need, was eager to heed the dream and seek for Imladris. But since the way was full of doubt and danger, I took the journey upon myself. Loth was my father to give me leave. And then he goes on from there. So from this quote, what we gather is that Faramir wanted to leave. It was, you know, he, he was eager to pursue the instruction of the dream. Boromir was like, nah, let me do it. And Denethor didn't want him to go. So that has potential implications, which I will address later. But our next line comes from when Faramir is talking to Frodo, and Faramir is giving kind of his recollection of some of what happened. And he says, Alas, that ever he went on that errand, I should have been chosen by my father and the elders, but he put himself forward as being the older and the hardier, both true, and he would not be stayed. So here again, Faramir seems to confirm Boromir's account, which was Boromir was the one who had the idea of, no, let me go. I want to go. The third line comes when Gandalf and Pippin come to Denethor's seat, and he, Gandalf introduces Pippin, and of course it's revealed that he is a halfling or hobbit. Denethor, of course, knows that the poem that was in the dream that Faramir and Boromir had referenced a halfling. And so Gandalf kind of explains, yes, this is a halfling, but not one of not the one spoken of in the poem. And at this point, Denethor says, Yet a halfling still, said Denethor grimly, and little love do I bear the name, since those accursed words came to trouble our counsels and drew away my son on the wild errand to his death. My Boromir... Now we have need of you. Faramir should have gone in his stead. He would have gone, said Gandalf. Be not unjust in your grief. Boromir claimed the errand and would not suffer any other to have it. He was a masterful man and one to take what he desired. I journeyed far with him and learned much of his mood. So here Gandalf also seems to confirm the whole theory that Faramir's brother Boromir is the one who was really driving this whole bus of him going instead of Faramir. Faramir, remember, is the first one to have had the dream, and apparently had it multiple times. And it's Boromir who ends up going after having the dream once. One can wonder why this is. 
would, you know, did they tell Denethor about it and Denethor blew it off because Faramir was just kind of a flighty character in his eyes and only after Boromir has the dream does he really take it seriously because now two of them are doing it and the one that he really likes is the one that's having it now. Hard to say. We don't get that much detail. But every quote so far we have confirms the idea that Boromir is the one who was really putting himself forward as the one who should go on the errand and do what the dream was suggesting that they do. But now we come to the final line, which is relevant to this, which is what brings in the apparent contradiction, though I think we can resolve it. And this comes up in the context of Faramir and Denethor and Gandalf all talking together. Faramir has revealed that he let Frodo and Sam go with the ring. And of course, Denethor is really unhappy about that situation. And here's how some of that conversation unfolds. For a moment, Faramir's restraint gave way. I would ask you, Father, to remember why it was I, why it was that I, not he, was in Athelion. On one occasion, at least, your counsel has prevailed not long ago. It was the lord of the city that gave the errand to him. Here, Faramir seems to contradict his earlier statement that it was Boromir who really put himself forward and took the job. Because now he's saying that it was Denethor who gave him the errand. And, you know, therefore it was Denethor's own fault that, you know, Denethor wants it to have been Boromir that was in Athelion because he thinks that Faramir, instead of Faramir, Boromir would have brought them to him and therefore he would now have the ring. Whereas Faramir is, you know, a loosey-goosey type who isn't going to do what his dad wants. Faramir, of course, gets really peeved at this and so you can understand why he kind of bites back. And that's going to get into part of my analysis here, but now we have all of the lines that are relevant to this discussion and we can start to analyze what we think all this means. So the things that we really have to contend with here are three major points. One, Boromir apparently apparently really wanted the job for himself. Two, Denethor gave him the errand, according to Faramir's last statement. And three, Denethor was not happy with Boromir going. Now, these don't seem consistent, but there are two possible ways that I think we can look at this that reconcile all of these statements. Boromir, when he says, you know, loath was my father to let me go, we can take that in a, this is kind of a technical solution to this apparent contradiction. We can take that to mean he was loath to let either of us go. He thought the whole thing was a wild goose chase, didn't really like the idea of sending his sons off to do things that were probably not going to really pay off when he would rather have both of them fighting in the war against Mordor. So if we take this approach, what we get is, you know, they they have this dream, both of them, they tell it to their dad, Denethor then is like, ah, don't really buy into all this, Faramir's really pushing to go, Boromir steps in and is like, no, I want to go. Denethor doesn't want to let either of them go, but because Boromir really pushes for it, and, you know, we can we can imagine that they came to the decision that, you know, okay, we probably should do something about this dream one way or the other. Denethor might have had ideas of sending somebody besides Boromir and Faramir, but one way or the other... He didn't want Boromir to go, probably neither of them, and was thinking about sending somebody a lot less critical. And so what we have is Boromir can say he was loth to let me go because 
he didn't want him to go. He also didn't want Faramir to go, and therefore it was just, he either didn't want anybody to go, or he was just going to send some nobody, you know, just to do something. And that reconciles with the rest of the statements, because it allows Boromir to be the one to really push for himself to go, instead of some nobody, because Boromir wants to be the guy who's in charge doing the important things. Because if Boromir had this dream, he would consider this an important thing to do. And it also lets us reconcile it with the idea that the lord of the city is the one who gave him the errand. Because at the end of the day, Denethor had to make that final call. That checks the box of loth to let Boromir go, because he didn't really want to let him go, but he had to. It also checks the box of it also checks the box of Boromir being the one that was pushy because it doesn't come down to him being pushy, but that's still consistent with him being pushy. Like, oh, pick me, pick me, pick me. And Denethor could still say no, but he says yes for reasons completely apart from Boromir doing his thing. And the other box that it checks off, of course, is that Denethor is the one who makes the decision. And it puts a lot more weight on that aspect of it because... Denethor is really the one driving the bus here and making the call. If I'm going to let somebody do it, I'm going to let it be Boromir. The one thing that's a little weak here is, of course, the idea that Boromir was masterful and took it for himself and wouldn't suffer anybody else to have it, which is kind of what Gandalf gives us. You can still kind of square it with that a little bit and imagine that Boromir does have influence with Denethor's decision, but that Denethor still is the one making the final call and... You know, Gandalf obviously had no particular insight in terms of what actually happened between Boromir and Denethor and Faramir in that conversation because he wasn't present for it. So he's making more of an inference, not talking necessarily about what actually is necessarily true based on observable data because he doesn't have that observable data. So we can still kind of square it with that. The other solution, however, is much more psychologically focused and not so much on the technical logic of squaring all the statements together, and it makes for a more interesting dynamic between some of the characters. In the psychological solution, what we really have is Faramir is Denethor's first choice in terms of who he's going to send, because he'd rather Boromir be leading the armies. And instead of sending Faramir, he ends up sending Boromir primarily because Boromir really puts himself forward and pushes for it and really, as Gandalf said, would suffer no other person to have the task. So Denethor gives in to Boromir rather than making the call on his own because at the end of the day, Boromir is just so gung-ho and so, you know, masterful in making his claim of being the one who ought to go that even though Denethor would rather it be Faramir and was not necessarily loath to give leave to Faramir he gives it to Boromir anyway because of Boromir's really pushing for it and this is a lot more interesting in terms of the way the story works out because it tells us a lot of the psychology of the characters for one thing, it meets much more neatly with what Gandalf tells us about Boromir really taking it for himself and being a masterful person. But it also tells us a lot more about what's going on with Faramir and Denethor. Because one of the things that this does, it kind of twists what Faramir says. Faramir says, 
you know, it not just that the Lord of the city gave Boromir the errand, but that it was his counsel that prevailed. That doesn't completely square with this particular reading of the statements in the same way that it's kind of hard to square what Gandalf said with everything in the previous idea. And the reason for that is it's not really Denethor's counsel that prevailed. He just made the decision because Boromir pushed for it so hard. And it was really Boromir's counsel that prevailed, not Denethor's. Now, you could read this again and kind of salvage it the way we salvage Gandalf's by saying, well, Denethor's counsel prevailed in the sense that his mind was changed by Boromir, kind of by the force of his arguments. Eh. But that really doesn't seem to square very nicely with what Faramir says. Because Faramir is saying this in response to Denethor being like, man, I, I really wish Boromir was the one here and you had been the one that went off and died. Uh, it's, it's really mean, uh, but that's the context of the situation. And, and the response that Faramir gives is heated precisely because of that, because Faramir is responding to, you know, why you, know, you, you wish that I was dead? Like that, that's really nice, dad. That that's really great. Um, but let me just remind you why I'm the one that's still alive. It's your fault. So this gets a lot more interesting psychologically because Faramir is arguably speaking not just out of turn in terms of who has the right to speak that way because Denethor being you know, the steward of Gondor, Faramir really, even as his son, shouldn't be speaking back to him like this in a council session. So there's pretty, pretty big stakes here involved. And what we get the idea here is that Farmir's really throwing this at Denethor's feet, saying, you decided, and that doesn't square completely with everything else that we've heard, but the thing that it might tell us is that Farmir has really been pushed too far at this point. And the other thing about this is the context. Farmir and Gandalf are having this council with Denethor and I believe some other lords of the city, or Gondor generally, after Faramir has just escaped the Nazgul. And the reason this is significant is Faramir has been really on high, you know, capacity for a long time. He is out there in Ithilien leading the war against Mordor. He's been trying to hold the river at Osgiliath. He's, you know, doing the best that he can, and he just escapes the Nazgul and is visibly kind of showing signs of that. And at the end of this council, he will even stand up and then kind of like fall and catch himself on Denethor's chair. And Denethor will tell him, you're, you know, you're exhausted. You need to go get sleep. So we know that Faramir is in a, you know, not necessarily frail state of mind, but certainly not a perfectly healthy state of mind. He has just come into really close contact with Nazgul, who are presumably exerting all of their fear-inducing power that they can and was just barely rescued by Gandalf, and he was the one that was really holding the rest of his unit together. You know, he was keeping them in an orderly retreat until the Nazgul really swept in and scattered people. So Faramir is taxed to the limit, and then Denethor comes in with this, man, I wish it was Boromir that had been alive in Athelion instead of you. Hint, hint, wish you were dead, Faramir. So under that kind of strain and getting that kind of statement from his own father in the middle of a council session, 
you could see why Faramir might kind of bend the truth a little bit in his response, saying, well, it's your fault, and there's a truth to it in the sense that you had the ultimate decision, but it's not necessarily true to say that Denethor's counsel prevailed. And so in that sense, you can see maybe here Faramir has just been pushed too hard for too long, and this was just the straw that broke the camel's back, and he finally just snaps and can't take it anymore, and he just lets Denethor know what he thinks about him. And, you know, it, whether that is accurate or not, it's hard to say, and which theory you go with here will probably depend on whether you're more likely to focus on trying to make all the statements work in a perfectly logical, coherent way, or whether you're more likely to take the approach of seeing these different characters in their loving but also combative roles with each other. Because there's no doubt when you read the story that Denethor does love both sons, and Faramir loves Denethor. But there's also no secret that they have a lot of differences, and those come to the fore in a lot of these conversations. And the situation in which Faramir finds himself is a very trying one. He has just been, you know, talking with Denethor about all this stuff. And we get little hints in this conversation, too, because Denethor points out, I see you keep looking over at Gandalf to make sure you're not stepping over the line. And he also, at one point, it says in the narrative that Gant, that Faramir answers Denethor's question or statement about letting the ring go. He answers quietly. So you can tell from some of the surrounding context, Faramir's already on pins and needles, walking around eggshells and really trying to make sure that he navigates this little maze that he's in as well as he possibly can. And then Denethor just comes in with a wrecking ball and Faramir does what probably anybody would do, and probably handles it better than most would, which is to just kind of lash out because he's just, he's had more than he can take. So I actually, my brain wants to make everything logically fit, but I kind of like the psychological explanation better because even though it means that Faramir utters sort of an untruth, it makes the story that much more interesting and the character relationships that much more, uh, well, a lot of things. Strained, complex, just the way the characters relate to each other becomes much more interesting if you take it that way. And it's, you know, there's no explanation here that I can think of absolutely perfectly squares literally everything that is said on this topic. And so you have to give a little bit somewhere, and I think maybe this is the one, because Faramir, for the most part, is a very unflawed character as we perceive him. Almost everything he does is, you know, 10 out of 10 perfect. He knocks it out of the park with Sam and Frodo, does really great, you know, all along the way. He's got to have a flaw, you know, and one of his flaws, arguably, is being a little bit too eager to please his dad, because he does want to do that, not like in the movie, that's ridiculous, uh, it's not that extreme in the book, but the other one I think could be this, it's like, like any human being, you put him under enough strain, he's going to crack, and this is where Faramir cracks, he just can't do it anymore, 
So I kind of prefer this the second option, the psychological approach to understanding how to reconcile all of these different statements. If you can think of a different explanation, uh, let me know that in the comments. These are the only two that I could come up with on my own, but there may be others, other ways to understand this. And, you know, even if you can't, just let me know which explanation you think fits better with the text and why. So we'll call it a wrap for that. If you did like the video, please make sure to give it a thumbs up and share it around. Please also subscribe and hit that bell icon to make sure you catch all my videos. I'm also on Rumble and Odyssey, and I have podcast versions as well. You can follow me on Twitter at JRRTLore for some occasional Tolkien-related trivia questions, and you can support me over at Patreon. Until the next time, I'm the Tolkien Geek, signing out for the Tolkien Lore Channel. Namariye.